Hello and welcome to Late Night Talks, a weekly podcast talking to science fiction and fantasy authors about their creative process and how they got started in publishing. I talk to traditionally published and self-published authors about their influences, their inspirations and their latest work. This episode, I speak to fantasy author R.J. Barker. He's the author of the Wounded Kingdom trilogy and also the Tide Child trilogy. Both of them are published by Orbit Books. He has a new series starting this summer, 2023. This interview was originally carried out in November 2020. Hello and welcome to the Late Night Cho- oh. <laughs> This is the joy of editing. Late Night Chalk. No, no, you should keep all of this in. This okay. is just very much in the spirit of me. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Late Night Talk. Yeah. My guest this evening is RJ Barker. There he is. Well done. Yeah. RJ is the author of the Wounded Kingdom trilogy and the Tide Child trilogy. Mm-hmm. Book two comes out later this month, Call of the Bone Ships. Yes. Which yeah. is there behind the plant and it's there being waved mm-hmm. right now. There you go. Mm-hmm. Book two is out this month. And is book three out uh, next year sometime? Book three is out at the moment, September next year we have it September. down for. But I don't know if it'll move to November to be in a year from this one. I don't Right. Who, okay. who knows? With, okay. It's all gone a bit weird with COVID. So it, this was meant to be out in September, but all the books in the world came out in September. So they pushed it backwards. Yeah, they moved a lot of things around. Yes. Yes. Okay. So going, it's, I, I know a bit about you, having met you on occasion. Just once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> but what I don't know is how you got into fantasy. Where did it start reading and then why did you, you know, why writing it? And I think your answer is going to be different to what most people tell me. <laughs> Just um, a hunch. Yeah, well, I've always read everything I can get my hands on. That That is how, how I, I read. And then sort of when I moved up from, moved away from home, I read whatever was in the charity shop because that's all I could afford. Um, so I don't, I don't really have a genre allegiance the way some people do. Mm-hmm. And I always actually thought I'd end up a science fiction writer because that, that's kind of, or a crime writer because they, they tend to be my, my go-to things. And I'm, I'm a huge Ian Banks fan. I love, I love Ian Banks stuff. Um, and my first sort of submitted novel was a, a science fiction novel that very nearly sold but didn't in the end. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had the idea for Age of Assassins, which is the only book that's not up here, actually. <laughs> I've my copies in the other room, so I can't show yeah. you it, but... And, and the, this is absolutely true. It's because the hardback is stuck behind a beaver. Uh, and and it's, it's just there is the beaver. I'll just... Can you see him? He's there. He's, he's, uh, sort of. Yeah, well, I can see the beaver. Yeah, I can see the beaver. Um, so, so that... And then I had the idea for Age of Assassins, which was kind of two thing, things I love, which is murder mystery in a sort of... Fan, but it only works in a fantasy book. So I love history as well. And it's very close to sort of... 9th, 10th century England, what's written in. So I wrote it and, and I really liked doing it. I really enjoyed the experience of it, the whole thing. I'm weaving magic in. And it's, I wrote in about six weeks, the first draft. It was really quick because it was there That's in my head. Yeah. There were steroids involved because it was poorly. But um, they're, they're really helpful. If you, I wouldn't suggest, just, don't write a book on roid rage. I'm not a ragey person. So I no, don't no. But um, yeah, so I wrote it really quickly and I kind of finished it. And then I suddenly understood what everyone had said about having written a book and knowing that this will do it. So, yes, this is it. Oh, and you, then, you. Interesting. 
yeah, it, it was a different feeling. And then I changed agents for boring reasons. So with my current agent, Ed Wilson, and he read the first chapter and just rang me up and went, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. I'll read the rest of it, but this is, this is it. This is good stuff. Wow. And, and he sold it. And then once you've sold a fantasy book, you, you are a fantasy writer, then you, you, you expect it to be more. Uh, and because I, I just love the act of writing. What, what I'm writing isn't, isn't as important to me as the act of doing it. And it's, it's people that interest me. So I kind of became a fantasy writer by accident. I just had a good idea and it stuck. And, yeah. and that's, that's what I was doing. But I have read a lot of fantasy. We were talking, I do a thing called Writopolis with, with um, Kit Power every other week where we sort of chat to random publishing people, which um, I've either asked you to be on it or you're on my list of people I've got to ask. At, at I'm some... on the list, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great thing is, is people at home are going to listen to that and think, oh, oh, yeah, he's, he's kind of snubbing a Steve. Where Steve, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, just, just absolutely rubbish. I don't know about your organisational skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, Kit, who I do it with, refer, refers to, he says it's not his idea, but I've decided it is er texts, the texts that always stick with you in, in your head. And um, I realised that mine are, are Watership Down, which is a fantasy book very much. Yeah, yep. it's got magic in it and, and everything. And um, the Chronicles of Morgan by C.J. Cherry, which right. is, is that's that's about a a male character who's following a, a female character who's much more powerful. Um, and that that reoccurs in my books, and I know it's to do with that book. Somebody was asking me, "Do you like do you like powerful girls in RJ?" In a kind of really. <laughs> Manner. <laughs> As in, are you someone's footstool when I'm not watching RJ? Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 it's really not not that at all. It's it's that one trilogy of books by CJ Cherry that just I just read it at the right time and it's just like absolutely so like, oh the language is really quite difficult to approach and it and it, it you have to commit to it and and I loved that. First time I've come across a book like that and it was just brilliant. Absolutely, it's out of print, which is very sad as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, like nearly everything in my life, it is not what I expected to do, but I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, and I kind of fell into it by accident rather than design, which is has, it's got me this far. So it's it's not if you don't get stressed about stuff, it's not a bad way to live. Stick with it if it's you know mm-hmm. if it's working. But I'm, I didn't know. So you said you knew that that was the one, you know, that was the one that was good. That was something different that would get you published. I didn't know. I had no idea. No idea. It's interesting. I, I just, I had a feeling it was of a different quality. Right. To the, the and, and the weirdest thing is because when I finished um, the last Bone Chips book and I sent it to my editor and then, then you have the, the hiatus of waiting to see if your editor tells you that it's a terrible book and you have to rewrite it. <laughs> Well, I think every time I send a book off, it's going to come back. I think, oh, Jenny's just going to go, no, this is not the one. Um, do it properly, RJ. Um, I thought I'm going to go back to that science fiction novel because I really liked it at the time. Yeah. And I did, and I went back to it, and I got about a third of the way through and just thought, oh, it's not, no, it's not. Ah. Not quite right. There's some really good ideas in it, but it, it didn't didn't excite me in the way it had originally. So, so maybe it's the theme in the book rather than what you've... Yeah, there's some stuff in it. I think I'll pull out and use in other places. But, yeah, um, I think it, it's it's not it's not where I am now. And also, annoyingly, I think my agent Ed knew that as well. 
because I'd mentioned going back to it a few times, and he'd be kind of, oh, go on, then you, you do it, in a kind of very, very non-committal manner. And then I went back, and, and I told him, I don't think it's that good, and he was kind of, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knew that if he pushed you, you wouldn't go for it, but if you found your own way there, yeah. you'd uh, come to the same conclusion. Yeah, so, so it's, hmm, it's kind of, there's some really good ideas in it, but I'll, and I'd like to write a science fiction novel at some point. Just yeah. Because I like big spaceships. And so, yeah. so, yeah. But anyway, we, we've wildly digressed, haven't we? Already. I, I, I was expecting it, to be honest. I really wasn't expecting a linear conversation. No, 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 no. no let's be serious, non-point. This is my, my new, th- new thing. Okay. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Given that we're talking about process, and I've, I, I know... I don't think we've spoken about this either, but do you do like daily word counts or monthly word counts or how do you work in terms of, you know, when you write, do you write for like a couple of hours and then go, right, I'm done. Or, you know, cause we've got deadlines now before when we weren't writing with deadlines, it was, I'll just stop now, but it's different. <laughs> I, I write Monday to Friday. Yep. And I aim for a, between 1000 and 1500 words a day. Yeah. Um, which I know take, uh, or, or if it's a really good day and it's going, it might be 2,000, might might struggle to get to 1,000. But I usually do that. It, I don't find that too much of a struggle. Mm. But I, And I know that takes me physically two hours. Right. But those two hours might actually be spread over an entire day as opposed to doing it all at once. I might faff around and do other things. Mm. And every so often you have one of those days where you just write a load and, you, and it's just really easy. But um, especially with the, it changes with each thing though, because I mean, the assassin books, I wrote two to two and a half thousand words a day because they were really, they were first person, which is my favorite way of writing. And that I was just in that voice and the bone ships is much more, much more mannered and deliberate. So it's harder to do because I have to think about it, which I'm, I'm as you know, I'm generally against thinking about anything. Um, so, so, and the world is more complex and, uh, and ships are really annoyingly complicated, even though I've used a very simplified version of them in, in the books. Um, so there's a lot, lot more thinking. And there's so many people in it. Right. Through a ship. It's really, you've got to remember all these people. So my first drafts just don't have names in generally. Perhaps like the main three characters, the rest it just says thingy. In square brackets, thingy, thingy does whatever it is. Then I have to go through and put it right and stuff like that. But I do really scrappy first drafts and then make them good on the way back. Right. So do you? What I tend to do is I write, uh, you know, a thousand words a day or two thousand words a day, and the next morning when I come to look at it, I get I start writing again. I look at the last bit of what I've done maybe the last couple of paragraphs to go, oh, yeah, that's where I was, and then I carry on forward. Or I might even tweak just a bit of it. Do you do, you do that, or do you just go straight on? Straight no back looking. in. Straight back on, usually, no Yeah, looking. usually I know where I am, so I just go straight back in, and and, and I carry on. And, and I find the sort of impetus for it builds over time as well. The more you do it, the more, the more you're into it. And, um, and I also find sometimes, you know, when you just get stuck. Yep. That if... If I just sit and start writing, I will fix it. If I do that, although I will use being stuck as an excuse not to do it, if I'm just that way out, I was like, oh, no, I'm stuck. I need to play video games for a day. 
not that happened today, but it could have done. Yeah, but I just I just sit and I do it, and that's that's. And I'm really frightened of thinking about it too much because I'm really worried that the more you think about it, the harder it'll get. And it is. So I, I did another one earlier on with them. Anna Stevens and, and Sam Hawke earlier on today in the daylight, which was horrific. Right. That you should come out in the day. And, um, <laughs> and we were talking about how the more you write, the sort of incrementally harder it gets, which is wrong because it should get easier. Yeah. And, and it doesn't. And, and, and I know the reason for that is not, for me, it's not outside pressure. It, it's kind of this desire to be better than I am just over the horizon there's a better writer than I am now that I could be and I'm kind of reaching for it so you're always pushing yourself and I think maybe maybe I've reached the limits of my talent now so. <laughs> but surely you get better with every book you know it's yeah. a case of you do anything often enough and you you practice it whether it's playing the piano or or writing it's like yeah. a muscle it, it just if you if you leave it too long it'll atrophy but if you keep working it surely it's like any other muscle in a way. It just, you, you progress. I think you do. You, I'd like to think so. Mm. I mean, I think, I think now I can look back at the Bone Ships books. I can say that Call of the Bone Ships is better than the Bone Ships. And from my editor's reaction, the Bone Ships Wake, the third one, it is, is better than the other two. Um, so... On a, on a purely sort of technical level, probably yeah. yes, but it never feels like that when I'm doing it. It just feels like, oh, no. what a mess. No. What are you doing? You're doing? You can't do that. You can't make those words work that way. Idiot. It's that thing of people will probably say, oh, the second trilogy is, is, is more accomplished. And I'm thinking, is it not just because it's different and you've worked harder almost in a way? on a second trilogy. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I ever work hard. <laughs> I don't know if that's the, the right, I think probably subconsciously I do. I think subconscious, like I don't enjoy third person writing. I find it much more difficult. Right. And the bone ships is third person writing. So clearly I, I, I made a decision there. I think yeah. subconsciously, I mean, I don't, and I know I don't want to write, similar books i don't want to write like the bone ships are not like the assassin books which is can be a bit upsetting if you came to me through the assassin books and you love those and you get the bone ships and, and they're quite different in in tone and and the way the world works but funny if it, it works for people going backwards they 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 love it but i, I can understand why you could read the assassin books come to the bone ships and go this, this is this is very different um and and then the next thing that I do will be very different again. Yes. And then I'm already, I've got plans for the thing I want to do after that. And that will be really different. Um, Cause that's where the fun is, isn't it? Doing new stuff. Yeah. If you do anything, this, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite series, I don't think you've read them is the Dresden, Dresden file books. And he's on, <laughs> so like book 17's just come out and on the one hand, you know, it's it's made his career that it's the 20th year and he's doing really well and, you know, he's made his living full-time, which is is the, the goal, be able to write full-time. I also suspect part of him, I would like to believe, a small part of him is like, oh, God. And, but he said himself, Butcher said himself, that 
if he doesn't take time between books or write something else between books, he'll just kill Harry off. He'll just, he'll be so bored and be like, nah, I'm, I, I can't do this at the moment. And I, I get that. If someone said to me, right, you've done six mage books. We want another six. But I no. would say um, no. <laughs> no. But I mean, three books is definitely enough for me. By the end of the third book, I'm well and truly sick of it. I'm just wow. Like, don't want to do this anymore. It's, it's, that's to do with rules. Stephen knows my feelings about rules. Um, it's why you're very unlikely to ever see me turn up and, and write tie-in fiction because they tell you what to do. What's the point in writing books if someone's going to tell you what to do? Um, but, you know, the first book's brilliant because it's just like this explosion of mad things and you can put whatever you want in it. And then by the third book, you're having to write within the tram lines that you've created. <clears throat> and, and you can't just, like, do random stuff. And it's just like, oh, I want to, I want to put a pig in, but there's no pigs in this world. I can't, I can't have one. That's really sad. What about within the same world? Or that's thing? like, you know, because Robin Hobb famously has done yeah. stories on different continents that at first have no apparent connection, and then it's later on you go, oh wait, that person that referenced so and so might be connected. To that, but then again, they're not reliant on each other. So, would you ever go back to the same worlds and do like totally different stories? I, I've got. It's really weird because I have kind of vague plans written down somewhere for yeah. um, a book that takes place prior to the assassins in, in Age of Assassins. Yeah, and and a book that I've got to be very careful here not to spoil the book. Yeah, yeah. Read yeah. Them. A book that takes place after it with two characters, at a much later stage in their life. Okay. Solving crimes that are just pure murder mysteries. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, I will probably never write them. Um, <laughs> they're kind of, because it, it, I'm quite stubborn and I, I don't like the feeling that I'm going backwards. Going back to something I've done before will be like, to me, it's kind of like me saying, oh, this is not. Same for everybody because I'm aware it's a ridiculous way of thinking because it's a new story, but it's like me saying I don't have something new to do, yeah. Yeah. and and I think too much of my sort of image of myself is someone that always has something new to do. So, <laughs> so I need to be doing new things. I need to be doing something. But the weirdest thing is when you were saying about um, the Dresden Files, mm. I love Robert B. Parker's Spencer books. They're um, crime novels. Yep. Yep. And there's, and there's 42 of them now. And they're all exactly the same. <laughs> and I love them. I love, I, I don't care. They're all exactly the same. And there is something really comforting as a reader about that to go. Yep. But, um, and also you don't have, you can write like James Lee Burke's just written the 23rd day of Robbie Shaw book, I think. Maybe the 26th. It, it's in the 20s anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's one of my favorite writers. And they're, Detective stories set in our world, and the twenty third one has a, a thousand year old time traveling assassin from hell in it, and, he, and it shouldn't work at all. Um, but he abs- absolutely pulls it off. You never ever doubt it or, or feel that it's ridiculous. In this book, it's an, it's an astounding. It's called a private cathedral. And it's an astounding bit of writing, um, and, and I'm, I'm in awe of it. So you can. You can write the same thing and make it 
just madder and madder. I don't think James Lee Burke could like calling it mad. But well, it's like Lee Charles has been doing the Jack Reacher books for forever. Mm. He's now stopping, and his brother's taking over apparently. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I think Reach is sort of, I think, sorry, I think Lee Charles is retiring and his brother is yeah. just like, well, I'm younger and I've got the same name, surname, I'll do it. And his brother's gone, yep, carry on. There we go, that's probably good, just going to be, okay, Jack Reacher, book 47 coming up. Well, um, Robert B. Parker's agent took over. Right. And he died. Wow. His agent started writing them. Good grief. So, and I think... Probably they, they they might have been working together for a while because the voice is still quite similar. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Lee Child probably needs the money, does he? He can just say, look, look bro, here, here, buy yourself a house. Put your name <laughs> on this, this Jack Reacher book. But, um, but, yeah, it'd be lovely to have a Jack Reacher style breakout. I think it'd be mad. Yeah. Yeah, but as I said, it could also be a bit of a, a millstone if it's like, do that for the rest of your life. I'd have to write under a pen name. I'd have to go and do something different. I just couldn't. Like you, I, if I if I was only stuck doing one thing, I'd just go mad. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Does Lee Child do other stuff? I don't know. He's not a writer I know anything about. I've just seen his Jack Reacher stuff on films. Mm. Tom Cruise does him, doesn't he? He did. Tiny Tom Cruise played six foot five, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Reacher. He can do that though. He can play a tall man because he played Lestat as well, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. That's the power of the cruiser. <laughs> the cruiser. He's so charismatic. He, mm. he actually appears taller than he is. That and stack your shoes, I imagine. Um, yeah. And the most committed runner of any actor. Tom Cruise. Yeah, no one runs like Tom Cruise. He's. He's pretty good. I'll give him that. There's, there's there's running and then there's Tom Cruise running where he goes for it to a point where he broke his foot on the last uh, Mission Impossible film. He jumped across the building from one to the other and landed on the ledge and his, his foot went into the window and he broke his toes. Oh, ow. I was, I was actually watching the other night Tom Cruise running because um, we introduced my son. When they, you know, they streamed um, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Yep. We introduced my son to that. I actually, I'd forgotten how much of it is like really 70s noodling about and quite tedious. And I thought he'd be bored by it because he likes musicals. But he wasn't, he loved it. So then we watched a bit of we watched the um bit of the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds where it comes up. Right. And he runs away from it. Yes. That is a phenomenal bit of running. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well done, Tom. Uh, cracking running. Some of the best running I've ever seen. Good job, Tom. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> So, back on topic. I think, so I think it was two years ago mm. in an airport in, it would have been Heathrow in London, yes. that you told me the initial idea for the bone ships. Yes. Has it changed yeah. much from from then to what came out? Like the initial idea? I, I don't think so. Was Did I say, actually I can't remember what I said the initial idea was, because that, that was a long time ago. Um the initial idea, it was, it was always kind of Master and Commander versus Godzilla. Mm. But was, was that why, how I phrased it? I think you said Hornblower. Yeah, Hornblower. My agent, yeah. Something. My, my agent has said to use Master and Commander because it's more recognisable. <laughs> Which I'm happy with because I prefer them to Hornblower. So, so um, but, um, but yeah, it never, it was not, I always said versus, but the books aren't actually verses. It's more, I love, you know, um, Gareth Edwards, Godzilla. 
I love the stuff in that way. You kind of get the feeling Godzilla just doesn't notice there are people. Mm. They're attacking him and he's just like, barely notices that they're there. He's just going on doing his thing. And that was one of the feelings that I wanted for the bone ships. And I think, I think I got that. I think people picked up on that kind of this vast, vast thing that it is just on another realm of existence. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm surprised no one's pointed out that because people are very into agency, there's all characters with agency, um, that the actual story of the bone ships is, Oh, this is spoilery. <laughs> Put a spoiler tag in for people. Okay. The Bone Ships is an incredibly simple story about some people on a ship who try and stop other people killing a monster. Um, and, and that's it. But if you do it from the monster's point of view, if they never set off on this journey, it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference to it. It, it, it just the, they, they have no effect on the monster. All the stuff that happens happens to them. Right. But the kind of monster is kind of just like doing its thing all the way through. They think they're very important to it, but it's just like, you know, I'm a monster. I don't care. I've got places to be, monstering to do. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's all, it's very character focused and quite violent. But I don't think you go away from it ever thinking violence is cool. No. I've gone off, haven't I? I've gone off. But yeah, I don't think the basic idea ever changed. Right. Okay. Because I knew what I wanted, uh, and I was surprised Orbit let me. Because ship fiction doesn't sell; it's the prevailing wisdom. Really? Yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't know that. It's no, not me a, neither. Yeah, it's it's not a generally liked thing, apparently. But but it seems to have done all right. So if, if people want to write ship fiction, the Bone Ships has probably helped you rather than hindered you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So something when I'm writing, I tend to do this afterwards, usually, but do you think about themes in your books or is that a byproduct of the story that you're writing and afterwards you go, well, that's what I was writing about. Or do you sometimes start with the theme? You know, how does it work for you? I'd really like to start with a theme. I like the idea of starting with a theme, but I never do. I just Mm. write write a story but i think there are <clears throat> there are definite things that obsess me that that come up in my books like right um people lying to themselves about who they are is, is a stand that seems to be something that comes up and and, and it's that that lie that holds them back um, throughout throughout the books and forgiveness seems to be a, a sort of a thing in my books i mean mm. And also, war is awful is is a big, big theme. It, war is awful and violence is terrible. Uh, and I don't think I write violence that you ever walk away from thinking, that was cool. I think, I think astounding things may happen, but if somebody said, do you want to be there? You'd be like, no, under no circumstances. I mean, Joron spends most of the bone ships absolutely terrified. Right. Because um, he, he's the lead character and he's, He's, and his kind of journey is to slowly realizing that he's not a coward. Actually, that's how everybody feels. They're just hiding it better. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's, I quite enjoyed writing that. But yeah, thematically, I don't, I don't really, no, I don't think about it. And I realize it afterwards. Usually when people tell me what, what they thought it was, and I agree with them, <laughs> whatever. 
Yeah. I did get a very angry email who told me my agenda was in trying to impress girls. Right. <laughs> that was my agenda because I, I, it's a matriarchy. And, um, and, and, I, <laughs> and, and it, it, they're awful, the women in this book. I just, just, what sort of girls do you think I'm trying to impress? Psychopathic ones. This is all back to that other thing again all over, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You're not meant to look at these women and think, oh, they're cool with their murdering babies and stuff that they do in it. Um, Power is is another one. That's a big theme. Mm. People who have power and misuse it. Oh, yes. Yeah, that always comes up. And and what it does to people, people who are willing to, to do anything to keep hold of it, which sounds quite topical. Very topical. Mm. Very topical just after the American election. Mm, yes. Interesting. No, I, no idea why that might sound. No, I, d- I couldn't possibly comment on. No, no let's, let's go to a, a landscaping firm and talk about it. Um, <laughs> let's go there, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, power and, and, and um, I think just basically I write about don't be awful might be my general theme just try not to be awful and things will well they won't be all right but at least you can say you did the right thing mm-hmm. yeah that's my theme that's, that's uplifting isn't it yeah don't be a, awful it, you'll probably still die <laughs> well it's you know it's the fred rogers thing of uh, be be kind be kind and be kind yeah. And the world will be a lot better if you know, yeah. assume that other people are having a worse day than you and you be kind, mm. things can change. And if people are awful to you, that's on them, not on, on you. It's There's something, yeah. Being nice to them, if they don't react well to it, it it's them that are terrible people, if you want to think that. Or maybe they're just having, as you said, an awful day. A bad day, a worse day than you. Something, yeah. something has upset them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, like, without spoiling, what's yeah. the plan after the bone ship? So, the third, the third book comes out as you said next September, possibly yeah. November, to follow on from Call of the Bone Ships. What's next after that? Um, something loosely Robin Hood themed. Still fantasy. Still fantasy and right. trilogy. Hopefully. Okay. Um, we're, we're in the delicate process of talking. To my, to love you all a bit about it and seeing if they like the idea of it, um, which is is always fun. Um, actually, that's true. They're lovely. They're really all they're really lovely to me. They like what I do, so it's quite quite nice. And I, and I make the money, which I think is, they like that. Yes, they like that more. Making like the that money, more they like me. Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot more. Um, but yeah, like I, I was saying, to Stephen, before we started filming the. The assassin books are very loosely the King Arthur myth in as much as I would need to, if I pointed out the bits to you, which were King Arthur, you'd go, oh yeah, of course it's King Arthur, obviously. Um, and I kind of want to do Robin Hood and I have this idea of a massive forest because I've done, um, the assassin books were like big plains and moors and obviously yep. the burn ships is the sea. So forests seems the next next place to go. And squid. The squid are definitely going to be in it. I know this. That it's, it's my thing. Squid. 
Someone said something about a land squid between you and yeah. Adrian Tchaikovsky. I like who got yeah, to that I've, first. I think I've got to get it before Adrian. Adrian does. He's done octopuses, so I'm, I'm having squid. <laughs> a land squid somehow. Land squid. Yeah. In the forest. Yeah, in the forest. <laughs> forest squid. Yeah. They work. Yeah. I'm sure you could find a way. I, I found a way, Stephen. Uh, okay. Don't do, do spoilers. Don't spoilers. <laughs> don't don't spoil it for anybody. Oh God! So yeah, that—that's what I'd like to. Do. That's next. Okay, something foresty, something Robin Hoody, something foresty, and something Robin Hoody, and then, then, and I have vague plans for what I'd like to do after that as well. Right. Okay. Something different again. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it was what I wanted to do next, and then then we changed our mind. Right. Uh, and that's right. A talk from my agent went. Mm. And <laughs> I was going to say, who's the we? Is, is it the we yeah. in your head or <laughs> the we? Okay, your agent Ed said no. <laughs> Yeah, my agent went. Have you got any other ideas? I go, oh, well, <laughs> yes, yeah. So I, I always, get, I always supply him with like a page of different ideas, and he really, wow, yeah, with like a page or two pages of ideas that I think work, um, and just say pick something that you think find will sell, and then he comes back to me, and then that's what I go with. Wow. But, but we've generally talked about this before. That sounds a lot more random. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, not, yeah. yeah, it's not right. I said, oh, this one you've written half a page on or all these ones that are one sentence. Mm. <laughs> Which one are you more interested in, Arjun? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and I like, I like it that it's kind of, it feels cooperative. Yeah. This. It's like I like being edited as well. I like the, the, the push and pull of it. The, the way that ideas can change, mm-hmm. like in um <clears throat> in the burn ship's work, there's Jenny has a re- Stephen used to be edited by Jenny, but she has a really Jenny good a bit, yeah. Yeah, for for when I've um gone that'll do, <laughs> and, and there's there's a bit of about it's, it's probably about hundred pages where I've gone, yeah, it'll work if no one looks at it too hard, and, and of course she does. Mm-hmm. And and she she sort of goes mm, no <laughs> no it doesn't I'm going oh yeah okay then it doesn't I knew that already but when you point it out but then then you you kind of look at that as a puzzle and how can I fix it and then with stuff that she's noticed that I haven't earlier on uh, and suddenly you you get a new thread that runs through it and it, and it's really weird it's like, like when when I had when I realised how I could fix what she'd said together with another thing she'd said earlier on, it was like the books went and tightened up another notch. Right. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, that's it. Uh, and then later on, there's other stuff where I've done a thing and, and Jenny wasn't taken with it, but I was quite taken with it. And, and she, <clears throat> people often say, does your editor make you change things? Mm. and they don't really make you change things they just make you find new ways of doing what you want to it's a, it's a, a better way of how I work justify what you've actually got there better yeah I'm going to do the thing I just need to make it work better so yeah. So that, that's there's another bit later on so I'm quite looking forward to doing that it's quite exciting to feel it and tightening up So, and I, I don't want to 
<clears throat> I want to stick the landing with it. Yeah, yeah, it's the third book, so you need to get everything tied together to make it make sense at the end. Yeah, and she was really positive about it, so so that, that's that's good. Top. That's good. Perhaps more positive than she was with with the other two, which is the way you want to go. Yeah, build. Yeah, definitely. And then on to the next thing. It, it doesn't seem like two years since I started writing those books. Oh God, no, no. I thought it'd taken me three years. Maybe I wrote them more quickly than I thought. Then. Because maybe... like, like me, your first trilogy came out within twelve calendar months, but they were every six months. Mm. And then with the new trilogy, you've had one book out a year. Yeah. But you'd obviously started writing the Bone Ships, you know, two years ago. So. Yeah, I, I'd. I don't know, I didn't actually put in any chapters of the Bone Ships as a submission to Orbit. Have I told you what I sent in? No. I sent you... in like a three-page synopsis that was half poetry. <laughs> it, <was> just... <laughs> it made sense. It all worked. Um, so, and, and that was what, what I sold it on. But um, the, new, the new thing, I've written three or four chapters. So I kind of, you always feel like you've got a head start if you've done something. Yeah, yeah. So if, if they're like that, I'll kind of jump straight to that. And of course, and I write other books in between that that I can't talk about. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, do, I do that just to distract myself. And it's really weird how quickly you can write a book you don't have to write. <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally different mindset. It's really... Because it's not your job. It's fun yeah. part of a, of a different thing. Yeah, we, we don't mention the... the J word or the W word. Oh, okay. Korea. When my my agent's banned from using any of those words because I've never had a job I've liked. So, and I've never wanted to go to work. So oh, we just writing isn't any of those things. It's still okay. my a hobby. hobby. Yeah, just a hobby. Yeah, it's just just a hobby that, that pays me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hobby the pays. I mean, that's, that's that's living the dream, really. It is. Yeah. Or as somebody pointed out, it means you just never stop working. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wasn't supposed to be writing at the weekend. And I still did 1,500 words on Saturday and 2,000 words on Sunday when I wasn't writing at the weekend. <laughs> but you, you, you have a day job and you write. I, I couldn't do that. I physically couldn't. I, I would... Just would never get a book finished. I'd come home, and go to sleep. I'm part. I part time, but I work at home, no. so it's. I'm not. I'm not commuting like I used to do. I used to do it all and work full time, and I just yeah. purely write in the evenings and weekends. But I'd sleep a lot less. Yeah. Than I do now, so I'm a lot healthier than I was back then. But um, yeah, yeah. It just it's it's juggling. It's definitely a juggling act. But yeah, I, I do think it's 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 awful that that a writer can't actually make a living writing novels when the amount of sheer work that goes into one is proper madness. Mm. Uh, and you kind of hope, it, and <clears throat> being that serious, it's even worse for musicians. I, I don't know how it will be fixed, but it needs to be fixed because stuff like Spotify has just killed music. You can't make a living as a recording musician anymore. You, it's just, Not without touring and doing live gigs. No. That's where even even the big names they say they yeah. make their money touring. It's not from the sales of their album, which I think. But surely, if everybody's gone to a gig and it's like no, because it's I don't know ten pound for an album, 
but it yeah. might be thirty pound for a ticket, and then you know a twenty thousand person gig or whatever it might be, and they do a couple of them a week, and you start to realise that that's where their money is from. In smaller bands like t-shirt sales and stuff like that. Yeah, merchandise to make money from merchandise, and you think, wow. Well, if if you're you don't make money from Spotify, if you're a smaller band, to, I mean, oh no, even if you're a, quite a reasonably sized band, Spotify don't pay you enough to live on. It's um, and and yet I do pay for Spotify, and it's kind of like oh, and I hate myself for it, <laughs> but I love the music. I tend to, if I really like a band, I will buy their albums, even though I don't actually have a CD player in the house. We realised this. My little boy went and um, he did think of rock school. Yep. Where he, he, we bought an electric guitar and he went along and he learned to play Back in Black by ACDC and they wrote their own songs and recorded them on a CD and he brought it home for us to listen to and we were like, oh, don't actually have a CD player anymore. Ah. That modern, it's all streamed in our, our house. Ah. Okay, you have to go out and buy one just so you can listen to his CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, we've got some. We've got some questions from the peoples. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, your good friend and mine, Tom, has said, "Who would you cast as the main protagonists in uh, both your trilogies if there was a film version?" Do you know why he's asked this? No. Because he Go knows on. perfectly well. I have no idea. I don't know the names of any actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's not... That's like, I know Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. I can remember his name. Yep. And we know the rider. Mm-hmm. So for the assassins, that's 15-year-old Girton Clubfoot would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. And, and his, his mother figure would be Winona Ryder. That's there. There we go. And <clears throat> the bone ships. Oh, oh, now I did see an actress who I thought would be perfect for, for Maeus. But I have no idea who she was in, who she was or what she was in anymore. Uh. I, but I did see, there was somebody who I thought, oh yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd do it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was playing quite a fantasy type thing. Anyway, the, a lady. From a show. Yeah, who, yeah, who could play, and someone could play. I don't have the faces of my characters in my head at all. Right. They don't exist. Um, and I never think about casting anyone off the TV that I've watched as them because then they'll become them and that's how I'll write them. The only... <laughs> the only one that's slightly different is there's a character called Coolt in Call of the Bone Ships. Mm-hmm. And as I was writing him, I realised he was a friend of mine and yours called Pete McLean. <laughs> I feel his character horribly. Is that what you're telling me? No, no. He just, I just, I was just writing him, and, and I just, oh yeah, you, Pete could play you. <laughs> and Pete's really, I've told him, and he's reading it now, and he he, he likes him, so that, that's okay. That's good. He's borderline terrifying, so I kind of think, oh yeah, Pete could do that. He's got, yeah. I just read his first book recently. Brilliant. Loved it. Oh, it's really good. His Priest of Bones. Second one's on my Christmas list. And now it's going to be a TV series. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm so pleased because they're so good. And, and, and he's lovely. I just really like him. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, I, I didn't realise that. And sometimes I, I will, yeah. 
Have you named like a bunch of characters after friends in the in in the bone ships? Yeah, Sons slightly subtly rearranging their names. Yeah, I think you you're in one of them. I'm sure you are somewhere. So I mangle names, and I, and I kind of think uh, it's really weird at the time. And I think, oh yeah, that's that's so and so. I'm really bad at names. But like, there's a character in it in it um, who is my editor. She she's in it, right? Okay, I'll look, I'll look for Jenny in the books. Yeah, yeah, and um, Nazia, PR and marketing from over. Oh, she, she in the books. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and who else? Who else for putting it? <clears throat> just just names though, and I, I just like, throw them in, and I forget then. And you get to book three and think, oh god, am I prepared to go and read back all the way through the other two books to find out whether I've put someone in? <laughs> Same kind of thing. I'll do them in the next, whatever's next. But I hate thinking up names. It's the worst bit. Thingy, as you just put person's real names mangled. It's a good placeholder. Yeah, it's quite good for throwaway people. Not that I think any of the people I'm killing in my books throw away um, in real life. But when when you get... this, Sorry, Tom. Why did you even ask me this? Do you know? Tom Parker knows that I have an answer to this. Do people know that he, he does... He does a lot of art for, for me and, and Steve is, is Tom. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the map from um, Blood of Assassins. Yep. Yeah. From but, the Wounded Kingdom, from uh, yeah. Age of Assassins. That's one of the maps that, are, that uh, Tom did. You can see it's lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, I, we like to say adequate because we don't want him putting his prices up. No, no, no. Terrible. So, yeah, yeah. Adequate. It works. Adequate, adequate artist, adequate. Tom yeah. Parker. Said, yeah, one of the most adequate artists I have come across in a long time. So his um, other questions worry me now because yeah. he's put, you know, who's your favorite space dad? Oh, yeah, what's, no. that, what's that about? Well, I, I know you will agree with this, you'll, you'll be full of enthusiasm for this. Um, because it's Anson Mount who played um, the captain in Discovery. No, I agree, yes, I love Anson Mount. He's one of the nicest guys around. I watched him in Hell on Wheels for five years, four years, five years. And then I've, I've been listening, have you listened to his podcast he does? No, I didn't know he did a podcast. Brilliant. Um, I'll have to think of the name of it in a minute. But him and a, a friend do a podcast. I think they started fairly recently in lockdown. Yeah. And they talk to people and he said, I get bored of being asked the same questions in interviews. And so do my, my people that we speak to. So we do different, do it differently. And his friend just talked to people about stuff that they want to talk about. And it's really good. It's really interesting. That's, that's, that sounds, I like that. I like him. And he's he lovely. He's lovely. Like he was saying yeah. that when he was on Helen Wheels, he didn't understand something. So his very patient friend, Common, explained this thing to, to do with black people because he's not black and he doesn't, he yeah. didn't get certain things. Whereas Common's like, I grew up this my entire life. And Lance is like, well, t- tell me about it, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, lovely, lovely man. And, and well, you should watch Star Trek Discovery season two now, if you like Anson Mount. I like him, but you know, I have my limits. So he's your favorite space dad. Yeah, he's, he's my favorite. I want him to be my space dad. And he will be brilliant. Um, and have you, have you watched The Mandalorian, the new series? Yep. Rubbish. I, I want um, Timothy Oliphant. He's my favourite space dad. Is he? I, I was really disappointed in. The what? <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I, I thought episode two was slow, slower, but the first one was amazing. 
Um, I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but there's so many like Easter eggs in that first episode. You see, that might be why I didn't like it because I don't care about that. I want. I it was want a good a- story with the you know the crate dragon. But by the time it got to the, it's not really a spoiler to say the crate dragon eats some people. No, um, I think you can guess that's coming from the moment it's mentioned. I didn't care about any of those people. I knew what it was trying to do. It was doing like the, the Western thing where you, you bring all the people together and, and they, and they, cause I love Westerns like that, but it yep. wasn't, it didn't give the, it didn't spend the time on those people. So you got to know and care about them. So it mattered at the end. It, it was all like, uh, and, and I really liked the, the sand people and it kind of just really underused. It was just like, yes, yeah, 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 it's all right. But we learned more about them in a 60-minute show than we did in nine films. Do you know what? I would love to rewrite that. I'd love to write that episode as Enemy Mine with the Mandalorian and a sand person stuck Mm -hmm. on a rock and that crate dragon going around them. And and he's he's meant to kill the sand person, but they have to work together to get off. I think that would have been a much more interesting to me episode. Because I, I like small drama, where I think it was all about Flash that one, and then the second one I just thought was rubbish. <laughs> just say what you think, RJ. Don't you know? Don't hold back. <laughs> no, I just that was. I thought it was really just. There's a thing that happens in it with. Close your ears if you don't want spoilers. With some rebel pilots, and then it is just the biggest Deus Ex Machina. And it, oh, no, it made me so cross. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> let's I mean, move on. You're, you're, you're getting cross. Let's move on. Didn't even follow through on it. It was. It was. They just went. All right, we've saved you now. Bye. Off we go. Who wrote the script? <laughs> and were we comfortable with Baby Yoda eating someone's children? Was were we good with that? What was that? No. My little boy, and he was just—he just went. He's ten, and he went. That is not right. He's—he's <laughs> <laughs> he's right. Ooh. That isn't right. Yeah. yeah. So my my theory now is actually baby Yoda is is a baby Sith Yoda. <laughs> uh, that's the first hint. You know, they just wanted him called the child. It's all ever said in the script. Everyone just went yeah. baby Yoda, and then. They have to accept that it's called Baby Yoda now because no one calls it the child other than the Mandalorian. And they're not Yodas, are they? It's not like a species name. No, that's just the one we've ever seen in the, all yeah. of the films and all of the animation. Just the one, little green dude. Yeah, so the, no one knows. What, do they have a name? No one knows. Well, it, there's probably a hardcore Star Trek fan, <gasps> Star Wars fan, yeah. Oof, that knows it inside and out. But as far as I know, I'm not the... Right person to ask. I don't think there is. No. Well, I'm not. I've been, and I'm gutted because I want to love it. I really like the first series. I thought the first series was really clever. And then I think it. I think it'll get better. I think it'll get better. Anyway, let's move on. Star Trek Discovery is excellent, Steve. Let's move on. So Dan has asked. (laughs) That's when you just go. That's tonight. We're done now. And we're finished. Dan asked which series was harder to write. Bone Ships or, or The Assassins? Um, Bone Ships was harder to write. as, as a, we, we covered that earlier on. Mm. Um, because it's more deliberate. The, the language is more deliberate. and they, it, The language is, is a character in the book. 
in a way that it really wasn't in in the assassins books that i mean it is a bit anywhere with me because i write in that way i'm a, I'm a, a voicey writer but it's very deliberate in the bone ships it's, right. it's it's repetitive and it's meant to give a sort of feeling of the sea and and, and it comes in and out and it's it's lyrical and and yeah it's deliberately a bit pretentious okay <laughs> well yeah you know it's, it's, that's what you're going for yeah. it's not like people could say oh well it's so pretentious for i know is your answer <laughs> yeah i know i know it's, it's purpose it's, I can't really talk about criticism with them saying that crit- does, does criticism sting? And I'm saying, well, not generally, because usually the things people don't like are things I've done deliberately. In which case, you just think, well, no, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it's like, I didn't like it. That's fair enough. But yeah. saying, oh, you did it on purpose. No, I, I did do it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> that was people, the point. Yeah. And I don't mind people not liking stuff. I think it would be a really boring world if everybody liked stuff. And I think also, if I wrote something and everybody liked it, I'd be a yeah. bit worried. Yeah. I, I like the idea that some people will just bounce off it completely. Well, it's even the most popular writers mm. aren't necessarily, some people don't like them. Some people do like them. It's not, it's not a universal thing. You can name any top 10 writer in any genre. And there's always someone who's going to go, yeah, I just didn't connect to the material, which yeah. is, which is fine. You know, it's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul asked an interesting question. He said he read early, he read somewhere that you'd done some fantastically illustrated tales. And he said, would you look at doing something illustrated or graphic moving forward? What's this um, illustration thing? Is this Tom's pictures of these? No, no, these, these I did ages and ages ago with a write, um, an illustrator called Miko Soviyabi, who, who's a Finnish illustrator. Um, they're kind of like illustrated horror poems. Right. They're, very experimental. Um, my favourite review of them was, um, this must be art because I do not understand a word of it. Um, and I just thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got a point. I love that. Um, maybe not, I'm not sure they would appeal to all, all the people who read my, my books. Um, okay. I like them. They're, they're kind of, when I say that words, I like the, the whole gamut to some really experimental stuff that two people will buy to, to really commercial stuff on one side. And I, I play sort of in between my, my books are quite commercial, but other stuff, like there's a, there's a thing called bad cat, bad Cather that um, is on the minor literature's website. that's quite literature. Um, and, and possibly the, the poems I do with Nicoa, they're not literature. They're, they're experiments. Right. playing the text and, and telling stories. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I'd quite like to write a comic, but I don't think I'm, I could, because you have to write not very much. And, and I'd, I think if I wrote a comic, I'd want it to be like the comic version of Jerusalem. <laughs> half a million words, yeah. yeah. Half a million frames. And no one is going to pay for that. I just like, no, 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 Archie. But I'd quite, I quite like the idea of somebody taking something I've done and turning it into a comic. I think yeah, yeah. graphic novel. I think that, that would work better for me. And I would have to just walk away from it mm. and say to me, you make those creative decisions. Because I don't think I could. It's, 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 I, I write lots. I've discovered that. I can't write short stories anymore. My, my mind is thoroughly into the idea of 
a book being a minimum of 90,000 words. And that's, there you go, Paul. That's much more in-depth answer, isn't it? Okay, there you go. Um, he also asked, <laughs> but after you've having now done the bone ships, um, are you any good on the water? Do you have do you have sea legs in real life? Um, I'm good on a boat for about 15 minutes. Then I'm quite happy to get off. Right. That's that's enough time for me. That's yeah. your limit. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes I go to Whitby. Mm. We go out on the little pretend pirate ship. Well, we used to. We don't anymore after my son discovered his, his sea legs were even less less than mine about 10 minutes on it I went and he just went I think we should get off this thing <laughs> okay okay he didn't okay. no I didn't enjoy it myself but I, I love the sea but I, I'm I'm not sure I'm a great sailor my dad is my dad um, I think my love of the sea comes from my dad because he, he's um, got his captain's um, license and he sailed all around Europe and stuff on tall ships wow, wow. Yeah. but I'm not sure I'm cut out for it it's a lot of work I don't do that. Yeah. You can't just sit down, which is my favourite thing. <laughs> yeah, my dad was in the Navy, so I think I got my sea legs from him. So I'm usually good on water, usually. Though, my mum and dad live by a canal now, so we're planning on buying a dinghy. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, practice. Practice on that. Get your sea legs. Go up and down the canal outside the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe take over a narrow boat. I always want to go on narrowboat, except you know, I'd I'd need a really tall one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd fit on a narrowboat. No, just not very comfortable. I'd walk along like that all the time. Just be sailing. Boats are for small people, really. I'm probably too tall, really, for boats. Hmm. You need a boat you can lie down on. If it had like a a track that ran all the way down it, with with like a sledge thing, and you just sat in it, and you could. Push yourself up and down Push the yourself along, all the way along. That would work really well for you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and find one. Okay. Pretty sure it doesn't exist, but we can have a go. We can, we can try. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's my new thing. Boats for tall people. <laughs> a new company. Uh, that I'll put my... I was going to do a podcast about being a tall in a small man's world. I asked loads of people for names <laughs> of what the podcast can be. And the favourite one that yeah. someone came up with was Beans Talk. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. it wasn't, I wish I could claim credit for it. I can't. I was going to call it, you know, Gulliver's Travels. Oh, uh, yeah. But um, Gulliver's Travels. Ideally, you need someone really small presenting it with you. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are very small. <laughs> to you, Stephen. Yes. And everyone. You're not someone's actually small. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, last last question. Okay, what are you reading at the moment? What, are you what am I reading at the moment? What have you read recently that you enjoyed? Like, um, I would just read Pete McLean's book I've just finished before that. What else would I read? I read Ed McDonald's first one. Loved it. That was cracking. Um, um, I've I read I read Pyrenees, Suzanne, Suzanne Clark's, who did Jonathan Stranger, Mr. Norrell's. Right. Which um, I'm still not sure what I thought of it. Oh. Um. I liked it. I enjoyed reading it. I thought it was beautiful. Yep. Also curiously empty. And, oh. Um, and, and I don't know whether that's an extended metaphor of something in the book and deliberate. I mean, I, I presume it is because she's 
quite a deliberate writer, but I don't think it works. It didn't, but I did enjoy it. It's really weird. Um, and then I read um, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy because I like cowboys and someone said to try it and I bounced really hard off the road. So I'd be like, mm. but um, I love Blood Meridian. I will never read it again. It's awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's really, really unpleasant. I don't want to read it again, but it, it is an amazing thing and, and worth reading once. And I'm also reading a book called What Fish Know, which is about fish and what they might know and, and stuff. It was written by a man who really likes fish, possibly a bit too much sometimes. I okay. But, um, maybe it's, a bit, it's really interesting. I like books about natural history. And mm. I've also got a James E. Burke book. Um, I'm doing it. And I've got um, several books that people have sent me that I should be reading. Right. Don't seem to be able to get my head around at the moment. I think it's because I'm editing. It's much harder to read fantasy or science fiction when I'm doing something that like that myself. Because mm. I just can't settle and I want to go and do that thing rather than reading someone else's thing. In a, not in a nasty way, just in a, I can't I can't describe it. It's just like yeah, yeah. it's like a constant reminder that actually I should have finished that book. <laughs> it's really, really stupid. Looking, you're just idiot. Relax. Oh, and I read um, I read Alia Whiteley's book on mushrooms, which is brilliant, and I can't remember the title of. Really good, because um, I'm a bit fascinated with mushrooms, so that was quite quite nice. And it, it and it was really lovely because it didn't actually tell me anything I didn't already know. It was just really joyful to read. Because it's a subject I already know a bit about, well, quite a, a lot more about than I thought when I was reading it. But um, it's just really lovely to read. I, I loved it. I even blurbed it. I had to ever do that. Wow, excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Well, and um, also, I can't... I feel I must recommend um, TV Queen's Gambit which is an astounding bit of television. I've seen it. Is it a limited series? It's like eight episodes or something. Yeah. And I hope there's never any more. It doesn't need to be any more. It's perfect. Right. Absolutely brilliant. It's about a chess player. Hmm. Um, and it's not about chess, really. It's about people, but it's just amazing. It does everything you want something like that to do. It's really just like tears at the end. Good tears as well. Yeah. It's kind of it's it's weird because we've been watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We've just finished episode uh, season one tonight. Just brilliant and, and and joyful. So clever. It's so like yeah. I, I at first I was really not sure, but the humor in it. There's so many jokes being shot yeah. out. It, to, to say this isn't true, but it, it is. It reminds me of the West Wing in that a West Wing script for a 60 minute show would sometimes be like 85 pages because there's so much in this. The jokes it's like. Psh, 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 yeah. And if you're not, you're laughing at one and you've missed two more jokes in Maisel because there's so and many. And it's like watching Technicolor. It's kind of hyper real in the way it's, the way it's shot. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, if I were you, I'd skip series three. Um, oh dear. There's some funny stuff in series three. I, I just, it didn't work for me. How many seasons are there? There's three at the moment. They're making another one. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Because I saw there was three. I was thinking it was done, but maybe it's not done. Unless you like 50s do what? If you like sort of 50s music, you might really like Series 3. Um, hmm. But it kind of, 
I, can't, I won't tell you because it's spoilery. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll say, I think, we'll, I think we'll, we're probably going to watch it because we're, we're yeah. both watching it. I'll you, watch it through. You will watch it because you want to. And there's enough joy in Series 3 to get, get you through it. But it, it feels like a dip in quality to me. But um, if you like Mrs. Maisel, you will love Queen's Gambit. But the, the big difference between the two is they're both set at the same period. Uh, mid-50s. Mid to late fifties, yeah, yeah, um, and you forget Queen's Gambit is set in the fifties, right? Right. It, it just it stops being like in Mrs. Maisel. It's a character. It's part yes. of it. Queen's Gambit is just so engrossing. You completely forget when it is. It's just like astounding. It, it's nearly all close-ups of people's faces, and she's such a good actress. Everything you need to know is just like in a glimpse. It's just astounding, it's just brilliant. Proper. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely watch it. It's on, it's on Netflix, so it's on my yeah. my list of things to watch. Anyway, right, we've strayed and I've gone on in long enough. So I'll say thank you for RJ for joining me this evening. I'll post links to all of his website and books, and he's yeah. got them behind him. So check out his books, and uh, I will speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thank you.